Welcome to Just One More Story, a weekly podcast featuring unique and interesting stories that are inspired by true and personal events. Some are thinking, why should I listen to this podcast? Well, to be perfectly honest, who better to tell a story than the person that wrote it? And in this case, that writer is me, your host, George Walters. With that, let's get started. Hi folks, thanks for joining me here today. I hope you're all well and looking after yourselves. How is my lovely wife and I doing these days? I'm glad you asked, as it opens the door, so to speak, to what I want to talk about today. And yes, as my wife says, it also shows you care. I thank you for that. But to answer your question, we're doing okay, in spite of these challenging times. It has seemed over the past 50-some years of being together that my wife and I kind of take things as they come, trying not to let them get us down. In reality, there is nothing else a person can do. You take what you have to work with and go with it. And I have to say, it has worked quite well for us over the years. I think our secret to success, though, is when it comes to a happy marriage, can be summed up with what a great man said one time. When my wife and I first got married, we made a pact. It went like this. In our life together, it was decided, I, being the man of the house, would make all the big decisions, and my lovely wife would make all the little decisions. For 50-some years, we have held true to that agreement. I believe that is the reason for the success in our marriage. However, the strange thing is that in the 50-some years, there hasn't been one big decision. So, with that bit of information playing on your mind, which I'm sure it will, let's get on with the story that I've lined up for you today. I hope you enjoy Generations of Farming. Thinking back to when I was growing up on the farm, a lot of things were surely done differently than today. Oh, sure, there were things that I hated to do, along with a lot of hard work. But it was them things that made me what I am today. My dad now, he got into farming at an early age and after working as a lumberjack in northern Ontario, Canada. He always loved nature along with growing things. He taught me a lot when it came to fruit farming and if asked, I would have to say that he never once told me how to live. His teachings were done by him living his own life and letting me watch him do it. One farm that Dad bought was in terrible shape. Thinking back, there were literally hundreds of apple, peach, pear, and plum trees, which were so let go that anyone other than Dad would have just cut them all down and replanted with new. Dad, though, being the man he was, couldn't bear to cut them all down and decided to get busy clearing things up around the bottom of the trees, which took all of one year. The second year he started trimming them down to the size they were supposed to be, which took the better part of another year. The year after that he started shaping them, and the year following year he was picking a bit of fruit. Folks dropped by from time to time and were simply amazed at what he had done, asking how he did it. All it takes is work and know-how, he would say. He didn't just stop there, though. With just one farm, as another one came available that sort of joined on to the back end of the one he owned. Growing on it were a few good trees with some newer varieties. 
So what he did was he started taking shoots off the newer varieties and grafted them onto his old varieties. While they were growing, he took some of his profits and bought some different kind of fruit trees and slowly planted them on his new property. Within four, within four years, he started making some decent money, which wasn't wasted by no means, and almost every cent was put back into the farm. One thing that got my attention was how he pruned and shaped some of his huge old apple trees. Basically, he trimmed them all down to where he could reach the top of them without hardly stepping on a ladder. In doing so, he figured it would be easier for him and the folks that worked for him to pick the fruit. And along with that, he wouldn't need the long heavy ladders anymore. It worked great too for a good number of years. I have to say that over the years his work didn't go unrewarded as the old trees that he brought back to life put a lot of food on his table along with a few dollars in his pocket, which again he put back into his farm or invested it in other land. He never believed in banks in the beginning saying they were there to make money for themselves and not him. Some said he carried his thinking too far but I thought at the time he was doing what was right for him. And you know, technically it doesn't matter what others think. And I also believe that you should follow your own instinct. Oh sure, sometimes you might make a mistake, but that's how we learn, right? I remember one time uh, sitting under an old apple tree, just him and me. I asked how he seemed to know what to do when it came to certain problems. He looked at me and smiled and scratched his head and said, Well, George, sometimes you have to stop worrying and wondering and doubting yourself and have confidence that things will work out. You know, this might be hard for you to understand, but there have been times that certain things didn't work out as I planned, but when all said and done, they worked out even better. I never forgot them words he said that day. Anyways, when it came to insects bothering his crops, he came up with a unique plan, as back then there weren't the pesticides we have today. I might mention that the ones they did have, if not used correctly, could cause some serious health issues, and did. I remember him saying one year that a few of his trees were infested with all kinds of insects and worms in and on his fruit. So he got to thinking about that and came up with a program to combat the problem. What he did was he worked into the soil at the bottom of each tree some old lime, which he had brought, which he had bought up a few years earlier from a hardware store in town that went out of business. There were a lot of businesses that were struggling to survive back then. Anyways, he had in his mind that he would try to stop the insects before they could get to the fruit itself and he was almost right in his first attempt as it stopped over half. Not being exactly what he wanted, he came up with another idea the following year of whitewashing the trunks of the trees along with working the lime into the soil around the bottom of the trees. He sure wasn't the feller, type of feller to give, just give up. You know, for years after that, his fruit flourished without using any harsh chemicals at all. He also didn't tell a soul of how he was doing it either, as he kind of figured that he had to find it out on his own, others should do the same. Well, he did later on, but not right then. 
I can't say I blamed him neither, as hey, it's like the old saying that was passed around years ago, as Eaton tells Sears what they were doing. You might have to have grown up in those days to get my meaning. Anyways, most of all the grafting that Dad had done on a lot of his trees usually started to produce, produce fruit within three years, and as soon as he saw that happening, the old trees were cut back, leaving the new. I would have to say, at any given time, some new tree or some part of an old tree was always being renewed. It is amazing if you really think about it. Gradually, pesticides and fungicides were brought in, and farmers from all over started to use them. My dad had also, as it seemed the thing to do at the time, but he soon found out after a few short years that problems were starting to arise. More actually than if he had not used the new chemicals at all. So he stopped using them on his own trees, but everyone around him didn't. The problem that was occurring was that all the good insects that were needed in keeping the bad insects at bay were killed off too. Bottom line, he was in an awful predicament. Eventually, he decided on buying all the land he could afford around his property with the reasoning that if he owned it, no pesticide could be used near him. Within five years, he owned acres of land, and within that five years, his crops started to improve quality-wise quite rapidly. Later on, rules and regulations were brought in saying that he couldn't sell his pears or apples or peaches if they were a touch too small or if they had a mark or two or a bit of rust on the skin. He overcame this for a few years, selling right from his farm and trucking his fruit to markets in different towns. Then came more rules, and they started stopping him from even doing that. He then overcame that problem in a small way by throwing half his crop of perfectly good fruit away, only selling the good-looking fruit. Again, it worked for a few years. By that time, I was into farming, or I should say when all the rules and regulations started, and was struggling right alongside them. Many a night, we would both head off to bed, feeling a loss in our hearts, with the women folks almost in tears. Then, by working together, we finally got a system of sort going that paid our bills and put food on the table. It was good for a few years until they brought in free trade. Once that happened, within a few short years, all our sources that we had to sell our fruit to seemed to dry up. Stores, start, stores then started carrying the cheaper fruit from other countries, and folks then started buying it and ours here at home rotted on the trees. We did manage to keep going, though, and, but eventually other rules and regulations were brought in on where, you could, where, on where you could sell your fruit, and then the canning factories started to close the doors, too. When that happened, I decided to sell our farm. I had had enough. With sadness in our hearts, my lovely wife and I packed our things, leaving everything that took generations to build behind. Today, what was once farmland is mostly houses, pavement, and lawns, with here and there a remembrance of an old apple tree that struggles to survive in someone's backyard. 
I find it hard to put into words my exact feelings of the way farming has gone here in Ontario, but the fond memories of my dad and I out in the orchard are still vividly stored inside my mind. Yes, the orchards are a thing of the past, the old farmers are all but gone, and to add to this the soil that our energy source has so freely given to us has been almost destroyed to the point of no return. In closing, I would like to leave you with these few words that a great man said one time. I don't understand why, when we destroy something created by man, we call it vandalism. But when we destroy something created by nature, we call it progress. That's it for today, folks. But before I go, I would like to mention that all my stories are also available in books. We have seven books to choose from, and each book has over 50 short stories. The titles of the books are One More Story, Moments in Time, Paths We Choose, Times Changing, Keep Turning Pages, Join Me in the Garden, and Nature's Gateway to Health. All of our books are available on Amazon.ca or Amazon.com in ebooks or paperback. If you would like more information regarding my books or podcasts, you can email me at any time at stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll say that one more time, stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll get back to you. You can also listen to my podcasts on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, The Walters Post, and Google Home. Just say, hey Google, play Just One More Story by George Walters. And if you enjoy my podcast, share them with others or tell a friend. In doing so, it will help me make more podcasts for all to enjoy. And finally, I would like to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to tune in every Friday for a new episode of Just One More Story by George Walters. <laughs>